Bibles. I'm not going to tell you where to turn yet, but get prepared for the Word of God. The title of this message is Building Up the Walls. Building Up the Walls. So when we come to a message like this, it kind of made me think, what is a wall? What is its purpose? What is it there for? And why do we have walls? Well, wall comes from the Latin vallum, which means an earthen wall or rampart set with palisades. And uh, palisades are just uh, tree trunks, basically, with spikes on the top, uh, one after the other. So makes a wall, uh, something that's strong, something to stand against what might come against what might come against it. Uh, another wall or rampart set with palisades, a row or line of stakes, a wall, a rampart, a fortification. Now walls are built for two purposes. First one is to keep things out, and the second one is to keep things in. That's the purpose of a wall. That is. When a wall is doing what it's meant to be doing, that is what it does. One of those two things. For example, houses, castles, and olden day cities have walls to protect and keep safe the inhabitants and their possessions and goods so that people, other, their enemies, the, the neighboring countries, can't easily come and steal away or hurt the people and the items inside. And dikes built in the Netherlands exists solely to keep the sea from coming in and flooding the land because Holland is a country that is situated below sea level. On the other hand, nuclear reactors have thick walls to stop the radiation from getting outside and harming others. And barns and stables have walls to stop the animals from escaping and causing damage to whatever fields or to themselves. Sometimes walls are built for both purposes at the same time. For example, prisons and olden day dungeons have walls to keep the prisoners from escaping and potentially harming others, but they are also there to stop people from getting in and breaking the prisoners out as well. So the walls have two purposes in that case. There is a third reason for building a wall, and that is for decorative purposes. So in essence, this type of wall has no purpose or function at all, but just to sit there and look pretty. It kind of makes a mockery of what a wall is. But some people, and, and there are many examples of where walls have been built specifically and only just so that they look pretty. The book of Nehemiah is an account of building up walls again that once were strong and fulfilled their purpose, but now have been completely torn down and destroyed. So we'll start in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1, if you could, we'll turn there. We're going to go, well, we're going to follow the story of Nehemiah this morning. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace. So he was actually the cupbearer of the, the king of the Medes and the Persians at the time. That Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, 
the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was upset that the walls of the city of Jerusalem, that mighty city and the capital of Judah, were broken down. He realized that it was because of the sins and rebellion of the children of Israel, Benjamin and Judah, that these things had come to pass and that this was why his nation was now in captivity. The meaning of Jerusalem is teaching of peace, and I've also heard it translated as city of peace. Salem means peace. It's uh, directly translated as peace. This was a city that had once stood proud above all wars and sieges and was nearly impregnable. No one could take it by force in a head-to-head clash. Its strength meant that the outcome of any struggle was almost always peace because the walls kept out all of the armies that wanted to destroy its people. Jerusalem is actually situated in a very good defensive spot. It's um, well up on, on, a, on the top of a mountain, and um, it's, uh, I believe it has mountains on, on two or three of its sides, so it helps to be able to protect that city. Even David, the greatest king of Israel, couldn't take the city by force and needed to enter the city by a secret way before he had the victory against Jerusalem. But the rebelliousness and the arrogance of the people of Judah in that city had caused them to forsake God and his ways and his laws, and God pronounced judgment on them. Where there was once strength and peace, God brought desolation and captivity to its inhabitants because of their sin. But Nehemiah called on God in his captivity, and God brought him into favor with the king to go and rebuild the walls that had been broken down to build up again that which had been lost. But as soon as he did that, he started to run into opposition. In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. So Nehemiah then went and surveyed all the damage. He went all the way around Jerusalem looking at everything that had been destroyed and torn down. And in, then continuing on in verse 16, it says, And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. They prepared themselves. They got themselves ready to do the work of God. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian 
heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. There are people that just want to harm and hurt God's work and anything that gets raised up for him. They hate to see the unity, the strength, and the protection of God's people. But the people of Judah, almost with one mind, set themselves to work together to accomplish a massive task. In Nehemiah uh, chapter 3, it continues. And Nehemiah chapter 3 is is, um, almost completely about the people that got up and worked when the call came. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zachur, the son of Imri. And by the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And I'll just paraphrase, I'll just hit the high points from here because this is a long list of people that responded to the call of God. Merimoth was next to them. And then next to them, Meshulam. Next to them, Meshazabil. Next to them, Zadok. And then next to them, the Tikkoites repaired. But their nobles put not the necks, their necks to the work of the Lord. That is a sad statement that has a lot of meaning to us today. God doesn't put anything in the Bible for just, just so it's there, just so it's recorded. But the Tikkoites set themselves to work with God. The Tikkoites set themselves to, uh, to do what God had set forth for them to do, what was in front of them. But their nobles, the people that should have been right with it, the people that should have been encouraging these Tikkoites to actually do this work, were just sitting back. I don't know whether they didn't believe uh, Nehemiah's credentials, whether they didn't believe that it was a work of God, whether they just decided to sit back and wait and see, whether they thought that the, the, the job was too hard, or whether they thought that the enemies were going to overtake them. But they decided not to help with the work of God. And then, next to them, Jehoiada repaired, uh, and Mahalim. They laid the beams thereof, set the doors thereof, the locks thereof, the bars thereof. And then Melatiah next to them, Jadon next to them, Oziel next to them, Hananiah, uh, son of Apothecaries, next to them. And they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. And it goes on and on and on to the people, to their families, to the, the groups of people within Jerusalem that decided to listen to the call of God that that believed God and knew that they could do a work for God with everyone else. And it goes on and on and on. There are 32 verses in that chapter with a lot of detail that goes into what the people of the children of Judah went and did and repaired. And, and, and they're saying, these were next to these. These were next to these. There wasn't a gap. There was everybody working together all in one accord and all straight next to each other, standing together in unity. Everybody worked together, each doing their part on the sections of the wall assigned to them. It was a massive task 
building walls to fortify an entire city. But when everybody did their part, the burden was shared and the work was done much more quickly. In Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. The enemies of the work mocked the people that were working so hard together in unity. They belittled what they were doing, saying that it would collapse on its own with very little effort. Even if, if a fox went up and touched the wall or, or jumped on the wall, it would fall down completely and totally. There was no foundation. That's what they were saying. And then a little bit further on in Nehemiah 4.6, it says, So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, so there's a growing number of enemies against the, the children of Israel, the, the people of Jerusalem, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. They were coming against a lot of, of junk that had been left behind from, from the previous tearing down of the walls. They had a lot of things to overcome, a lot of stuff to get out of the way. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them, and caused the work to cease. They were saying, you know, they're, they're off, off with the fairies. They're, they're doing the work of God, but they, they're not looking around about them. They're not seeing what's going on around about them. So we're going to be able to come in easily. We're going to be able to destroy the work. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. This was a time of defense of the work of God. This was a time where the, the enemy were uh, intending to come in and destroy the work of God, but they united themselves. They set themselves together for the defense of the work. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be ye not, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. God defeated the, what they wanted to do, the enemies, and so they were able to get back and start working again. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields and the bows, and the herbergians, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. 
they which build it on the wall, and they which bear burdens, with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and within the other hand held a weapon. So they were digging, they were building, they were plastering with one hand, and in the other hand they held a weapon. They were prepared, they were united, they weren't going to let the work of God stop because of any resistance or any opposition to the work. For the, for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall one far from another. How much greater would the work, how much easier would the work have been if there had been more people that, that lifted up their hands to the work, if there had been more people so that there weren't so many gaps, so that there weren't so many separations, so that there was even more unity between these people. The work would have been done quicker and there would not have been so much fear within the people. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. They're expecting anyone to come in at any time and attack any part of that wall. But they were, they were saying, if you hear the sound of the trumpet, go to that place and, make, and then defend the city all as one unit. So he labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, that every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night there may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. This was a time of great uh, fear. This was a time of great uncertainty within the people of God that were going to the work. But they were prepared. They were ready to defend against what God wanted to do. The opposition got so strong that they had to go into a siege mentality. But once again, they did it with unity, everyone working together and keeping watch of their assigned sections. When everyone was involved in defense of the wall as well as building it up, the sections that had to be covered by any one group of people were smaller and easier to handle. If the people had caved in or said that it was too hard or gave up or decided to take a break, then the workload of everyone else would have increased. Everyone would have had to look after a bigger section of the wall, which would not only have been more wearying but, and more um, open to attack, but also would have been greatly disheartening to the people that were working. But these people were all fully and wholeheartedly ready to do the work of God no matter what. They didn't let any opposition or rumor get them down or cause them to quit. But that wasn't the end of the troubles. In Nehemiah chapter 5, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. These are the people that should have been helping them. These are the people that should have been helping them to lift up and raise up the work. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth, because of the famine on the land. There are also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and our vineyards. They had taken mortgages out. They had uh, 
They put everything so that their families could live. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. This was a great distraction to those who wanted to work, to those who had set themselves to work on the wall. And in Nehemiah uh, 5 and 6, it says, And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother. And I said a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which are sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. They, they had no answer. They had no defense against this argument. And then a little bit further down in, in, chap, in verse 12, it says, Then said they, We will restore them, and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then called I... Then I called the priests and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. The people were all fully prepared for the enemies that came from without, but there were also enemies that came from within as well. The work of God was being hindered by the very people that should have been helping them in the first place. These people had a stake in wanting the walls of Jerusalem to be built for their own protection and benefit, so they should have been all gung-ho for this work and doing everything they could to help out. But instead, they laid heavy burdens on their own brothers and sisters that wanted to do the work of God. They caused the focus of the workers to shift to other things and hindered the work of God in a far more insidious way than Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem had done. But this wasn't the end of the attacks from within and without. The enemies of the people of God were persistent, continually attacking and thinking of new ways to destroy this God-given work. Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem wanted to meet Nehemiah outside of Jerusalem so that they could kill him. They even sent a letter which was a lie that Nehemiah had arranged for prophets to prophesy that God had appointed a new king over the land, which wouldn't have pleased the king of the Medes and the Persians and which was designed to bring fear to the people doing the work. So they upped their game even further when, that, when God brought that to naught. They hired a prophet or a priest of the Jews to prophesy harm against Nehemiah so that he would take refuge in the temple and sin against the law of God. But God gave Nehemiah wisdom and knowledge to deal with all of these situations. Not only were their physical walls being built for protection, but spiritual walls were being built at the same time in the God-appointed leader of the work. Nehemiah's only concern was the defense and the building of the work of God. And he made sure that his focus and energies were maintained in progressing that work. He wasn't going to be distracted by the enemy. He wasn't going to allow the enemy to get a foothold and allow them to bring, come in and cause division amongst the people of God. He was fully focused to make sure that the work of God went ahead. His single-minded focus was a great inspiration and encouragement to the people of God and the work of God. And so finally, in chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, So the wall was finished 
in the 25th day of the month Elul, in 52 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. God finished his work, no matter the opposition, no matter what happened, what came against them. And that was despite the enemies. The enemies were the ones that were ashamed. The enemies were the ones that were cast down at the end. But the people that got into the work, they were the ones who were rejoicing. They were the ones who had kept their focus. They were the ones who did the work of God and saw it all the way to the end. There's one thing you need to know about the work of God. You can't sit on the sidelines. There were only two sides to choose from in Nehemiah's day. There were those who built up and encouraged the work, and there were those who hindered the work. Anyone who tried to sit on the sidelines in Nehemiah's time was a hindrance. The work could have been finished in a quicker time with their help, but because they sat back and watched instead of getting involved, they had a negative effect on the mentality of the workers. It, it, it had an effect on their thinking. It had an effect on, on their, their ability to do the work of God because there was that resistance, there was that opposition to the work of God. When the ones who should be working and helping are the ones that are hindering the work, there's a big problem. I'll say that again. When the ones who should be working and helping are the ones that are hindering the work, there's a big problem. The case in, in point in the book of Nehemiah is the financial strain that the Jews put on their own people. They were trying their hardest to do the work of God, but because of their own people causing them grief and trouble, they had these distractions that took away their time and their focus from the work of God. So my question to you today is what side will you choose? Will you choose to wholeheartedly get in and be involved and build up the church and the kingdom of God? Or will you be another Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, Shemaiah, or Jewish oppressor? You see, there are only two sides. You need to choose which side you're going to be on. Because whichever side you choose, there are consequences. Those who build up the work of God get eternal blessings. And those who hinder and destroy the work of God will be frustrated themselves. Remember that sitting back and doing nothing is a choice to be a hindrance and not a help. If you fall into the youth category, get involved with youth in any way that you can. Help Sister Emma and her team to accomplish greater things for God with your help. Yes, you can and you will make a difference when you do that. If you fall into the category of being a man, get involved with men's ministry in any way that you can. Help our brother Frost and encourage him to greater heights in God and with the men. If you fall into the category of being a woman, get involved with women's ministries in any way you can. Not only will you encourage and support Sister Katerina, but the impact of ladies working together in God has eternal consequences. And this is seen in churches all around Australia and all around the world. If you are a helper or a teacher for Sunday school, do everything you can to be a help and take a load off Brother Thomas as he endeavors to instill a love for God into our children. And that's something that can't be diminished, that can't be taken away from. 
when our children grow up loving God. When we all work together, the job is easy. And the spiritual walls we build will defend from attacks from within and without the church. But when everything is left to a select few, the work is hard. And it's easier for the enemies of the church, including the devil, to gain a foothold and hinder the work of God. If I could get someone to the piano, please. So now it's time to look inside ourselves. Maybe you realize that you haven't been helping build up the church as much as you should have. Maybe you have reasons or excuses or past hurts why you can't be involved. But this is the work of God we're talking about. It's not trivial. It's given by God and anointed by God to lift up and encourage the church of God. And God has set up leaders over these works to give direction. We don't have to like the direction of the work that the work of God takes, and we don't even have to agree with it. What God asks and requires of us is to be involved, even if it doesn't fit in with how we would do it ourselves or with, with how we'd like to see it run. God honors involvement, not agreement. Those who work together in unity build up the work of God to have an impact beyond what you would naturally expect from your collective efforts. And those who sit on the sidelines hinder that very same work. I invite you to the altar. If you've been a hindrance to God's work, now is the time to set it right with God and get involved. If you're already involved, now is the time to set in your mind that you will still be involved in God's work in unity, no matter what the enemies of God's work will bring against us, whether that's from within or without. Don't just sit back and do nothing. The work of God is far too important for that. And it's also far too important for petty arguments and squabbles. God can do great and mighty things when there is complete unity. But when there is disharmony, the work of God is frustrated. As one of the Psalms of David says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the Jew of Hermon, as the Jew that ascended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. God has many blessings for those who will set themselves to the work, to those who will work with the other people of God in unity and in strength. Won't you come and set your mind to the work just like the people in Nehemiah's time? Don't be in opposition. Don't resist the work. Don't go against the work. But come. Come and make things right with God. Come and set your mind to do the work of God. Thank you. Lead us, Sister Mary.